Hi everyone, Amanda here, and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm helping moms ditch perfection and find peace through planning. This is episode number 59, Kitchen Organization and Slow Cooker Tips with Longborn Farm. Allie Kelly is the creator of Longborn Farm, and my good friend... Longborn Farm is her website where she shares simple homemade recipes. She believes that family meals create special moments and those moments become treasured memories. So in addition to tried and true kitchen favorites, she also shares practical farm and garden advice for the hobby farmer or avid gardener. Um, Allie is such a great resource. I'm really excited to dig into this interview with her today and I think you'll take a lot from it. So so let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm so excited to welcome Allie Kelly of Longborn Farm. And I have to say an extra big thank you to her because she got to be my first re-record of a podcast interview. So she has graciously come back um, to share her really awesome message with you. Welcome, Allie. Thank you. And it's really not a problem. I understand how these things go. (laughs) Tech is the worst, guys. I swear. It is. Okay. (laughs) So um, I'm going to have Allie just go ahead and introduce herself. Tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, and kind of what motivated you to start your online business. Yeah. So like you said, I'm Allie Kelly. Um, I have a food and farm blog, and I share simple homemade recipes and farm and garden tips. and This all came about um, because my education is in agriculture and I don't come from a farming background. Like literally nobody in my family has ever been a farmer. (laughs) And, but it's just, it was always just something in my heart that I loved. I loved animals. I rode horses growing up. Um, I loved being outside. And so when I went to college, I initially went um, to be pre-vet and then uh, things changed as they do. And I discovered a passion um, for like production agriculture and actually a lot of biotech sciences. And so during my education, I had a couple of times where I realized that there was a huge disconnect between farmers and the consumers who were buying their food. And one of these times was in a beef management class. And part of the class was listening to producers from different aspects of the beef industry come and just, you know, tell us about what they did as they're part of the beef industry. And all of them, a common thread between all of them was consumer perception of their product of beef. And they expressed um, frustration and they expressed like not knowing what to do about it, not knowing how to connect with consumers. Um, and I realized that I was the perfect person to have that conversation because I knew what it felt like to be clueless, to not even know what to ask. But then I had all this education that helped me understand the farmer, understand the practices, why they were doing what they were doing, why it was beneficial for the environment, you know, all those things that consumers are rightly concerned about with their food. So I didn't know how to turn that into a job. So I went to grad school because that's what you do. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with your yep. life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I went to grad school, continued just to feel like that was kind of my calling. And so after I graduated, I told my husband, um, hi, so remember how we just paid 
for six years of higher education, I'm actually not going to get a real job and I'm just going to start my own business. (laughs) And bless his heart. He was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. (laughs) He was super supportive. I definitely think that needs to happen from the from the female to the man side. I th- I think going the other way would not have gone. So not to be sexist, just saying. <laughs> I know, right? Very support, like very, very supportive. I don't know. I don't know if I would have had been that supportive of him if he had told me that. Um, so now looking back, like I understand how I got to where I am. But in the moment I was, didn't know what I was doing. Like I had no idea how to start a website. I had no idea that you actually had to like use terms that people were searching in order to get people to see your message, like (laughs) all these things. And I had always loved to cook like a lot, um, baking especially. And I had this passion for making homemade meals because as college students, we were like dirt poor. And I figured out that making things from scratch was like way cheaper than buying them. And so I kind of became really proficient in making homemade meals So anyway, I realized I could get people to my website and my social accounts with food, and then they would stay for the messages about farming and learning about where their food came from. And it is, you know, how it is today, but it it wasn't as easy as that just sounded. (laughs) (laughs) It never never sounds easy when you're sharing your whole story. And I I love your story. Um, I forgot to mention earlier that Allie and I actually know each other personally. We met in college. So it's really fun to kind of cheer each other on um, in this process. And I think a lot of us have concerns about our food, about whether or not, you know, what we're feeding our family is, is a good thing to be feeding them. And that's all kind of adding to this constant overwhelm that I like to talk about a lot. So Ali's a really great resource for kind of um, taking the emotion out of it and just sharing some cold, hard facts about, you know, where your food comes from and also some amazing recipes to go along with it. So thanks so much for that introduction. And I love that it's been messy. I think that's <laughs> such a good, I think that's such a good message for my mom's to hear in general that most of us are in the middle of our stories. Yes. And it feels it feels really messy and that's yes. normal. So <laughs> Yeah, like when you look at someone and you're like, "Wow, they're so successful." Just know that even if it looked overnight to you, it was years. <laughs> yep. Years in the making. Yep. Okay, so I just want to dig in because you like you said, you kind of work to bridge this gap between farmers and consumers. So I know you've spent a lot of time um considering your audience as consumers. So what do you think is the biggest problem facing um people in general when it comes to putting a from scratch meal on the table? So I hear all the time from my audience, most of them are moms. Um, that their biggest problems are time, having enough time to make the food, and then also having enough energy. Because we all know what 4 p.m. feels like. Yep. We all know it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You feel dead. You are probably a little angry. You don't want to do anything. And making dinner and having people whine about what you're feeding them is like the lowest priority. Yep. And I love to, because I, I ask my audience the same question and I, I most often get the response time, but I don't get the response that they don't have energy a lot. But in all reality, I think that is the real problem. 
we all have the same number of hours in a day and we obviously are all using them differently. But I think we we all know that we we really do have the time. But if you don't have the energy because your life is not in order, th- that's the real hurdle that I think we need to overcome, which you've got some great tips on overcoming both the time and energy problem. And you think that um, kitchen organization is one of the biggest keys for getting a meal on the table. So can you tell me just a little bit about why that is and um, kind of how kitchen organization can help? Yeah, for sure. So I think you're right. I think when people say time, it's really like kind of a loaded answer with all of these backend things that are happening. So if you think about getting your kids out the door in the morning, you have all the stuff they need. You have shoes, you have backpacks, you have snacks, you have coats, you have jackets. But if you don't know where any of that is, it's like herding cats, right? Someone is missing a shoe. Somebody is crying because they can't find their backpack. Like it is a disaster and you will never be on time. And everybody's going to be angry and frustrated by the time you're in the car. And by the time you're in the car, you're asking yourself, do we really even need to go wherever we're trying to go? Right. (laughs) Yep. So making dinner is the same. You can have things in your house to make, but if you're not organized, you're never going to execute on that meal plan. So organizing your kitchen in a way that's useful for you uh, makes it so that meal times can go smoothly, they can be effective, and they can be positive experiences. Meal times should be happy, positive experiences. Yes. And I love that. I love even just the idea of starting to tell yourself that kind of mantra that that I think a lot of us as moms have been... S- told, especially with all the marketing messages out there, you know, that like mealtime is supposed to be hard. You can't do this on your own. Like yes. buy our meal kit, buy our, and I'm not, I'm not shaming those tools, using those tools when you need them, but don't let that, don't let that message get to you that it's supposed to be hard. If it's hard, look for solutions and find solutions that work. So I'm so excited to dig into some of those solutions right now through kitchen organization. And I completely agree that a lot of times it's just a matter of putting things together in a way that works for you. You already have all the tools that you need in your kitchen. So um, can you go ahead and share three ways that my audience can start getting more organized in their kitchen? Yes. So the biggest one is going to be cleaning out problem areas in your kitchen. And the biggest problem area that I think people have is their fridge. So if you can just clean out your fridge, like literally take everything out, every single thing (laughs) comes out of the fridge, clean it out. Like if it's stinky, you don't need a freshener. You need to clean it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Look through what you have, throw stuff away that's expired. And also just throw stuff away that you're not going to use. Like if you know you have something in your fridge, we all do this. We save something because we feel guilty about throwing it away. Then it sits in the fridge until it's moldy and then it's disgusting. So we don't want to clean it. <laughs> and It takes forever. Just throw it away. It's fine. It's really fine. The more organized you are, the less waste you will have. And this is like a great way to start. Um, another thing they can do is just make a list of what their family likes to eat. So if, if you make a meal and your family really enjoys it, just write it down, put it in your back pocket for when you're meal planning later. And then you'll know exactly what you need to buy when you go to the store. So 
you can organize that fridge, you can make a list of what your family likes, and then you can shop with more intention. Yes, I love that. Um, and I, I kind of want to touch a little bit on um, just getting rid of what's there, um, because I think this is really important. And, and I love what you said that as you get more organized, you'll stop running into this problem of throwing things away. And one thing that I know both of us are big into like the freezers, I honestly try not to let leftovers hit my fridge usually because, and that's a personal thing for my family, because I know that we're not, they're not going to get used. So instead of hitting the fridge, that chili goes straight into the freezer. And then it's like, your freezer is kind of like a pause button for your food. So instead of getting moldy and gross in the fridge and you feeling that guilt, it's kind of tucked away in a place that you don't have to think about it right now. You can think about it in a little bit when you actually have the time and it's not like that ticking time bomb in your fridge. So I think I agree with you that a fridge, the fridge is a really big yeah. problem area. Um, you also suggest... Um, getting organizing bins. So can you talk to me a little bit about organizing bins and using those to get more organized in your kitchen? Yes. So I am a huge, I am a huge fan. Like I cannot emphasize how much I love organization. (laughs) It's a problem. Um, I always recommend getting clear ones. Um, Sometimes, sometimes colored ones are okay. The colored ones are definitely cheaper and you can find those at the dollar store, but the clear ones are nice because you can see exactly how much of the food you have. So I use these in my fridge. I use them in my pantry and I even use them in my freezer. So like, for example, if you buy cereal, just put it in one of those plastic pourable containers. You'll see exactly how much cereal you have. You'll know when you need to buy more cereal. You're not going to find a half eaten box of cocoa puffs in the back of your pantry in six months and Mm -hmm. wonder how it got there, (laughs) right? Like the the bins are going to help you so, so much by just seeing what you have. And that way, when you're making your shopping list, you can actually just open your pantry, open your fridge, look around and see exactly what you need to restock. It also helps you see what you're not eating. So if you have a bin full of brown rice and it's been there the last four times you've gone grocery shopping, make a mental note, A, you need to use the brown rice, B, maybe don't buy brown rice so often in the future. Yep. And I am so guilty of just like, I don't know why for me, it's like stewed tomatoes. I'm like, I just assume I need them every time. And then I'm like, I just have this like never ending supply of stewed tomatoes. It's because I'm like, I have panic attacks about not having the ingredients for salsa at all times. So, you know, we just just (laughs) add it to the list. But I think that's really important. I agree that the bins are really, really helpful, um, particularly for the two reasons that you said. Number one, to be able to quickly see what you need. And number two, to stop buying the things that you don't. So I agree. I do use um, dollar store bins a lot. I'm also going to drop a link in the show notes to I have some for my chest freezer that they're like crates, they stack in each other. Oh, cool. And that's yeah. really helpful for, cause chest freezers are just the worst. They're hard. Yeah. They're hard. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be on your A game of organization to organize the chest freezer. So <laughs> yeah, we had to side side story. When I worked in the labs at the university, everything was kept in chest freezers. And I can't tell you how many times I froze my hands off 
searching for things and organizing chest freezers. And I vowed <laughs> I would never own one, <laughs> never own a chest freezer. <laughs> Good for you. I was too cheap. I couldn't go for the tall freezer. So, so I have the organizing problem for the rest of my life, but <laughs> maybe, maybe next time I'll yeah. lurch, but okay. So I love all of those tips for getting started organizing your kitchen and they're really simple tips. And honestly, uh, most of these things you've thought about before, I think a lot of times we don't, we don't take these things that we learn from, you know, like home, home organization into the kitchen yeah. for whatever reason. I think the kitchen is an extra level of challenge because most areas of our home were not replenishing so frequently. And I think that can be really overwhelming when you think, you know, like how often you have to have the system working, but just creating a simple system will help so much. Um, and I also wanted to say back to what you said about taking things out of their original packages. This is a huge space saver as well. So if you feel like you just don't have enough room to store it all, just like a box for granola bars is just way bigger than it needs to be. There's, they want you to think you're getting so much. (laughs) So they're wasting all of your cupboard space is really what's happening. So taking it out and putting it into something else can also gain you a lot of space that you didn't know you have. Yeah. And I think another thing that's super helpful too, um, is just ordering your groceries online. Um, because you can look at your pantry, your fridge, look at the bins, see what you need and literally grocery shop from your kitchen. And I think that would take away some of that stress of constantly having, feeling like you need to replenish your kitchen and organizing all of it. That way you can say, okay, we're needing a granola bars. We're needing, you know, more cereal, whatever. And that way you stay on budget, you know, exactly what you need and bonus. Don't even have to bring your kids in the store. (laughs) That's the biggest reason right there. But (laughs) I, I also, I'm a huge fan of grocery pickup and I love too, that, um, I don't have to have a grocery list anymore. You can just add it straight to your cart. So you don't even necessarily have to have like a sit down day to do this. It can be, and especially when you have an organized kitchen, you'll know immediately like, Oh, out of cereal, add it to the cart. You don't have to think about it again as many times as you can handle anything in your life, but anything in the kitchen one time, that is going to be a huge time saver for you. Stop handling the same thing like a hundred different times. I love that tip. That's great. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. So that kind of covers how we can start organizing the kitchen. Um, But I think it's also really important to, we've talked kind of about ingredients, but what about tools. What tools do you recommend to help with kitchen organization and meal planning? So I think some of your best tools are just going to be really simple things. So whether you want to meal plan on your phone or on a calendar or just in a notebook, um, just write it down, write down meals your family likes, but then write down a meal plan. Like for the entire week or month. I have a friend who does it by the month. Um, For me, that doesn't work well. I like to just do it by the week because I sometimes incorporate leftovers into meals for the next week, but just write it down. And I think that will save you so much brain space. Um, Another thing, another tool that's super helpful is just 
keeping track of recipes. I know this <laughs> sounds funny, but how many times do you look at a recipe and you're like, oh, that sounds good. And then you don't save, you don't save it on Pinterest. You don't save it on your phone. <laughs> so come up with a place to save them. Yeah. And, and this, I do have a couple of tips on this, but my, I am the worst at this where I'm like, no, who had the apple pie? Like which one of my like blogger friends had the apple pie that was the best and Google algorithms are always changing. So you can't just like trust that it's like the top one on Google and Pinterest is ever changing too. just like save it somewhere. So, um, one, just one place that I find really helpful is, um, Evernote. It's an oh, app. Yeah, yeah. I use that. And the cool thing about it is that it has just like a clip, like a web clip feature. So it's kind of like Pinterest, except that it's your own personal thing and you can save the entire recipe versus just like saving the pin. Pinterest works too, but it's just like extra steps. So I really like Evernote for that, um, reason to just like clip it or even just your bookmarks doesn't really matter. But yeah, like if you made it and you loved it, don't let it slip away because yes. that's like a golden, <laughs> a golden thing that you've found. Yes. And I love the idea of just writing it down. Just doesn't have to be fancy. I think a lot of times we overthink things and try and make them super fancy and it doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah, it really doesn't have to be. <laughs> All right. Um, did you have any more tools that you want to talk about before we move on? No, I think that's it. Awesome. Okay. So I'm really excited to get into this. So you recently wrote a cookbook. I'm so proud of her, you guys, um, full of Thank slow you. cooker meals. Uh, uh, so I, and my experience, aside from like meal prepping me, I really don't use my slow cooker a lot um, because I feel like it can be challenging to make meals that are presentable or that don't destroy the quality of the vegetables that I put in. I've seen your book, I've seen the photos, and I know that you've overcome this problem. So can you just share some slow cooker tips? Because speaking of tools, a slow cooker is a really great tool to kind of especially get over that awful four o'clock hump because you don't have to cook at four o'clock when you're using your slow cooker. So can you share some tips for using it um, and getting you know well-cooked veggies and beautiful presentable meals? Yes. Um, and I, I have to say, I 100% agree with you. Like the first few times I used a slow cooker, I got this slow cooker cookbook. I'm going to put that in air quotes because it was awful for my wedding. <laughs> and I made a few recipes and they were just like mush. They were awful. They were mushy. They were bland. I really didn't like them. So I, over the years have developed my own slow cooker recipes, obviously, since I have a cookbook, <laughs> but <laughs> I've really, really tried to keep the integrity of the food intact throughout those long, slow cooking times. And it's totally possible. Um, the trick is just to layer in flavor and then layer in your ingredients. So a lot of the meals in my book are like prep it and forget it. But some of them that do incorporate veggies, you'll add those or maybe a last minute ingredient like cream that can't cook for a long time you'll add those just like at the last hour of cooking. And it's really easy. You can have that already prepped in your fridge. So literally all you have to do is open the lid, pour in the veggies, put the lid back on and let it set for a little while. So I think the slow cooker is a great tool. Um, and if you can really get good recipes that help you figure out 
exactly how to layer those flavors and ingredients, you'll overcome that problem of mushy, bland, because nobody wants to eat that. Like it reminds me of, it reminds me of being in the school cafeteria and just having like the (laughs) lunch ladies like plop some slop. Stuff. Yeah. You don't know what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Um, And I do have some tricks in my book for presentation as well, because obviously being a food blogger, I care a lot (laughs) about the way the food looks. So um, I have certain ways you can cut the meat to prep it in there. Um, It's not just like one big shredded disaster. I love that. So of course I will be dropping the link to her book in the show notes. What tell us what the name of it is. It's called Rustic Farmhouse Slow Cooker and it's full of really simple family-friendly homemade recipes that were inspired by our farm and our lifestyle of raising our own animals. Awesome. And just before we move on, I just you talk about layering um, can you just go into a little bit more detail about what that means as far as layering flavors go? what that means. Yeah. So a lot of times with the slow cooker recipes that I would use when I first started cooking with a slow cooker, they were relying on flavor from a lot of like canned soups or packets or whatever. And if those are shortcut ingredients you like to use, that's totally fine. I don't think they have a lot of flavor besides salt. And so with my recipes, salt is definitely important in a recipe for sure. Always. always. (laughs) But you really need to think about the meat you're cooking and then pair it with either dried herbs that can stand up to the long cooking time. Or I I really love adding fresh herbs to slow cooker dishes at the end because they're going to brighten up all of those flavors that have been cooking for a long time. Um, You always want to include some kind of acid, uh, which sounds funny, but like lemon juice or vinegar or something like that, because The slow, long cooking times are great for developing deep, robust flavors, but you really want something to cut through that and allow you to taste all the aspects of the meal. So does that make sense? Yes. And that's exactly what I was looking for. So thank you. I think that's really helpful. And I think I have asked the question so many times, like, do I salt at the beginning? Do I salt at the end? Do I season at the beginning, season at the end? And I've come to discover the same thing. And this is important for slow cooker, but just for cooking in general, that the answer is just, yes. Just <laughs> salt at the beginning, salt it because you will get that that deeper, more layered flavor profile, which will really elevate your dishes and take them to the next level. So that is exactly what I was looking for. And I think is extra important for the slow cooker that can tend to like swallow up or mm-hmm. like just mesh flavors. And I agree with the acid too. And I think that that is another thing that can help all of you to elevate your cooking is to start using acid a little bit more, especially I love all of you, but any of you like, um, Midwest home cooks who are really big into using the cream of mushroom using, and I'm again, I'm with Allie. If you love those, keep doing it, but try adding in some fresh herbs or some lemon juice and just see how that takes your dish to the next level. Yes. Awesome. So I'm really excited to check out Ali's book. Like I said, the link to that is in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for being here. Um, th- I think you've given my audience some great things to think about. If my audience takes just one piece of advice from this episode on overcoming mealtime stress or on getting organized in their kitchen or using their slow cooker, what would that one piece of advice be that you think will be the most helpful for them? Yeah. So I think the most, 
helpful piece of advice uh, is obviously we gave you a bunch of tips today, but like, don't give up and get discouraged. Overcoming mealtime stress is 100% possible. I never want anybody to just feel so discouraged that they, like I've had, I've had moms say this to me. They're like, I never want to cook for my family because it's awful. It's hard to get the meal done and then nobody appreciates it. That can change and it doesn't have to be that way. So just keep trying if you're feeling that way and don't try the same things. Try, try differently. And Amanda and I are here to help you. <laughs> we, we, we have tools. We're, we're here to make this a great experience. So try implementing some of these. If it doesn't work out, just reach out to one of us and we'd be happy to help you make mealtimes a better experience. Absolutely. I love that. I love the idea that if you're trying something and getting the same results, try something different because that's, that's the, I don't believe in failure, but if you're continuing to try the same thing and expecting different results, that might be one thing that leads to failure. So just get really used to experimenting and just let that be your new way of life. Get comfortable out of your comfort zone, um, especially when it comes to figuring things out in the kitchen. And also be patient because kids are the worst. Sometimes. I was literally going to say that. <laughs> but we love them so much. Uh, yes, they take they, they take time. They take time to so so as much as I do think it's important to try new things, also be patient with your kids. And it's not always that you have to try something new. It might just be that they need to grow up and it'll happen. And that's fine. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Like you know what? A kid is not gonna starve themselves. They're just not. Nope. All right, Allie. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell my audience where they can go to find more from you? Um, we've talked about your cookbook. Can you tell them about other services you provide and where they can, you know, just get to know you more? Yeah, for sure. So my website is longbornfarm.com and then all my social handles are at Longborn Farm. Um, and if you sign up for my email list, you'll get the information for a little mini course I have that you can take to get your whole kitchen organized. It'll take you less than an hour. You can come out with an organized pantry, fridge, and freezer and meal plans for a week. It's really not as hard as you think it is. So that's a great option. You can also click work with me on my website. And I have a few options for courses or one-on-one consulting, whatever you feel like you need. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allie. Um, like I said, check out her book, check out our website. She's awesome. And I'm so glad you chatted with me today. Thank you so much, Amanda. I feel the same way about you. All right. There you have it. Lots of tips and ideas for getting your kitchen more organized and getting you making homemade meals more that don't feel super overwhelming and stressful. I'm so glad Allie could join me and I hope you got as much from that episode as I did. Next week, we're going to be talking about how to serve with food. This will be kind of the last holiday episode that will wrap up as we head into some new year content. I'm really excited. Until next week, happy planning. Happy planning.